This afternoon, I took a break from the countless hours I've spent in and around church this week and went to play capoeira. In case you don't know what that is, let me explain that capoeira is an Afro-Brazilian art form that combines elements of dance, gymnastics, martial arts, culture, and music in the form of a game. It is played with everyone standing or sitting in a circle, maybe 15 feet across. Varies depending on how many are playing. And two people at a time take a turn going into the middle where they pretend to have a fight. You partner to create an improvised dance of feints and spinning kicks and acrobatic escapes, continually shifting and changing direction, now standing, now crouching, now balancing on one foot or on your hands or even on the top of your head, coming as close as you can to landing real blows until the song ends or you're out of breath and then you move out to rejoin the circle and another pair takes your place. At least that's the idea. I've been training at it for almost two years and it's kind of a joke that I began a practice requiring so much skill, strength and conditioning, flexibility, agility and uh, stamina and balance on the wrong side of 50. But the majority of the other students in my school all are also beginners. They just happen to be children. <laughs> and once a year, our teacher organizes a big weekend gathering in Petaluma, inviting other teachers to come in from out of town and capoeiristas from around the area attend, and there are workshops for adults and for kids and public demonstrations in a plaza downtown. And it all culminates with a final ceremony. So I was pretty disappointed when our teacher announced that this year it would happen on the 19th and 20th of April. It had not occurred to him that that was the weekend of Easter. And frankly, I'm not sure that it mattered to anyone but me. So I've had to miss out on a lot of the activities, but I did manage to attend most of the final event this afternoon where parents and friends are invited to come watch. And everyone from the tiniest five-year-old on up gets a chance to play with fellow students and with the visiting teachers and show off their skills. And after the games, the students get 
taken aside and the beginners are, are awarded their first capoeira belt, a green braided rope that the teacher ties around your waist, which must be why this ceremony is called batizado, Portuguese for baptism. Capoeira has its own rich history with deep roots in the African diaspora of Brazil. But it calls its rite of initiation by a name drawn from the traditions of the church. And in doing so, it taps into a deep reservoir of connotations. Our own baptismal liturgy in the Book of Common Prayer does the same thing, only more precisely. Every action of the rite, each question and response, every line of every prayer is like an artesian spring fed by an underground river of meaning. I am not really qualified to speak for capoeira, but for the church, baptism is about more than admitting new members to a group or handing on a cultural tradition to a new generation. It is immersion in the life-giving, world-making, liberating story of God's love for humankind. And at no time is this more apparent than tonight. On the eve of Easter, we wade out once again into the shallows on the shore of this vast ocean of wisdom. And we say to Mark and to Sarah, come on in. The water is fine. And here I must emphasize again that we are not inviting them to join us in a benevolent association, to share an aesthetic experience, or intellectual or emotional enjoyment of an ancient religious and cultural tradition. Rather, all of us have come here together this night to receive the gift of illumination, to see the light of Christ that reveals to us that this is our story. We are participants in it, and it is nothing less than the story of our lives. Christ opens this path for us to enter the heart of biblical wisdom. The seven days of creation, the flood, the exodus, the valley of dry bones, the joyous homecoming from exile, he brings it all to life, to breathing flesh and living blood in himself. And then he breaks it open and feeds it to us 
so that all of its blessings, all of its truth, and all of its promises, all its glory and pathos and judgment and redemptive beauty and transforming power and the vast and vibrant silence that lies around and between each word, all of it can now be our own. This is one way to speak of what we mean when we say that Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus proclaimed in a personal voice, with a human touch and a mortal body, all the sacred word of God revealed in the law and the prophets. He himself was the gospel that he preached and when we believe that, when we believe him, our lives can become the gospel too. We learn this in the whole sweep of the Christian year, in the seasons and the stories and the songs of the incarnation. But we encounter it in an especially concentrated form this week in the liturgies of these great three days. There is no need tonight to recap the story that they tell, only to point out that they play out against the backdrop of the Passover. The passion and death and resurrection of Christ recapitulates the great story at the heart of the Hebrew Scriptures the perilous journey out of slavery, from under the shadow of the angel of death, through the wind and darkness and waters of the sea, to the light of dawn and Miriam, singing and dancing with the women in the freedom of the other shore. But Christ, our Passover is not only Israel making her escape, he is also the firstborn of Egypt, slain to break Pharaoh's heart of stone. He is the lamb slaughtered at twilight, whose flesh is our food, whose blood is the sign for our protection. The cross of Christ reveals the bondage of the human condition as the scriptures have shown that it is when it is without God. All the weight of sin and violence, of justice denied and love betrayed, the helplessness and frailty of the body in the grip of pain and death all of it concentrated at a single point, fixed with nails of iron and lifted up for all the world to see. But Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who come to the tomb as this night turns to dawn, did not find the sealed prison of finality 
they enter and see that it is clear and open as an empty sky. They receive the good news of God's freedom, the freedom to love and give life no matter what fearful and sin-sick human beings do. Jesus now lives in this freedom and gives it to all who have faith in him. The light of his resurrection is all God's promises in one. It reveals that the gospel is not only the story of a people's past or of our present, it is the story of God's future for the world. And Mark and Sarah are leading the way to that future because they are the beginners who remind us that we are always beginning again. We say that baptism is a new birth, but then sometimes forget that birth is but the beginning of life. If that life is new, it is because it is always beginning. The new fire of Easter must be kindled again and again in our hearts. The one light of Christ shining in the darkness must pass to our hands again and again. The renunciation of evil and the turning to Jesus as Savior and Lord, the faith summed up in the creed, the vows that commit us to live as people of God's new covenant, these are not practices only for neophytes. They are the practices of resurrection, the opening that God creates for us in every day in every hour and every moment to pass from death to life. They are God's promise of a future for the world, a future of freedom, a future of justice, a future of peace. In Christ's risen body, we are the gospel message to humankind, indeed to all creation, that the life-giving, world-making, liberating story of the love of God has only just begun. And we, beginners that we are, are learning to tell it with our lives.